new CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up! New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got him. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show. And today, we uh, game day edition, we bring on a guest, uh, OU insider Brandon Drum from our sister site on 24-7 Sports is on the show. Brandon, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Uh, been, I, look, I got to tell you, throughout all the uh, – I feel like we're more than sister sites because we've <laughs> been through the whole – coaching change as well and dan lanning is a connection that we will forever have because ou and uh dan lanning were also connected for a while so uh, that 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 you you brought up the fact that these two schools are intertwined because of coaching changes and you know i think oklahoma had interest in dan lanning um as well and before we dive into just this bowl game what? How would you describe this season for Oklahoma? Ten and two, because naturally you'd think, hey, top fifteen record there, maybe just there to, to having their, their their goals of their season. But mm-hmm. much like Oregon's, I, I, I think there's probably a, a lot more of, wow, this should have been a better year. Yeah, I mean, it started out, I guess you could say bad (laughs) (laughs) stuff and and i think it's because of the expectations i think leading coming into the season OU was the hot team they were the cool team to predict to win the national title everybody's tired of seeing bama win it and so oklahoma became that team with spencer rattler the heisman trophy candidate and all this and that and they got caleb williams backing him up and they have all this they have one of the best defense alignment in the country or the uh, defensive line period i know you guys understand that up there in oregon as well with thibodeau but across the board oklahoma has nfl guys on the defensive line their offensive line was like guys that had experience that you couldn't like you're talking four or five year guys that have started since they were freshmen so across the board you get mike woods coming in as a uh, transfer wide receiver from arkansas he had 600 yards i think in 2020 so uh, everything looked like they were going to compete for a national title until it didn't. And it didn't it, look, it didn't look like it from week one. We all were sitting there going, oh, well, you know, they felt bad for Tulane, which was true. They actually pulled the dogs off on Tulane because they had been, you know, stranded for two weeks because right. of the hurricane in Birmingham. And Riley felt sorry for him. But I think that set the tone for the season, and they never could get off that. I mean, they were up by 30, and then they weren't <laughs> against Tulane. When the starters were literally untaping themselves at the end of the third quarter, like they weren't going to play. And then Tulane goes on this big run, and they almost come back and beat Oklahoma. And from that point on, it was a struggle for Riley and all those guys to keep this team focused. And I think – I think he lost the locker room. So I think in a, in a, that's a long version of your answer, but the short version is disappointment. 
it's a disappointing season. It's weird to say 10 and 2 is disappointing because right. so many people in the country would be like, God, Oklahoma, their reporters are spoiled. Their fans are spoiled. Well, yes, they are. They won six straight Big 12 titles, folks. 10 wins is nothing to Oklahoma. And I know that sounds, it sounds so pretentious to say, but it's true. They've been doing that for the last 70 years. So it's this is this is old hat for them. Anything less than the conference title and competing for a national title is a disappointment at Oklahoma, and that's just a fact. So you can't call this any season anything less than a disappointment. How about this, Brandon? Oklahoma wins tonight. How does that change anything? Or is this season far gone because they're in the Alamo Bowl to start with? Man, that's a great question. Um I think it helps just because it gives Brent Venables momentum and his staff momentum go, momentum going into the season. Look, we all know Oregon is shorthanded. Like, that's not a secret to anybody. So I think if they win, it's going to be like, oh, you know, they, they were expected to win kind of, kind of deal now. Right. Now, if they lose, it's going to be, oh, my God, this just caps off the disappointment of this season. I cannot believe this. So uh, – I think it's a twofold answer. It's great. It gives, you know, momentum for Brent Venables. Maybe it, it helps with the Caleb Williams situation and him staying around if he's enjoying, you know, he had fun playing with these guys and he wants to come back and give it another round next year and see what, see what happens under Levy and Venables. I don't know. I mean, look, there are so many things going on with Oklahoma that I think this game, it, it's big and – the you know off-season talk but as far as make or break for Venables and this team moving forward into the 2022 season I don't know that it's I really don't know if it's 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 a make or break I mean you would think it would be just because you want to have that solid momentum you want to have the recruiting momentum and especially with Oklahoma kind of going after some guys that Oregon's had committed or has committed um, you know, that would be big for the 2022 class, but and, and that momentum, but at the same time, I mean, there's so many other things for them to tackle, and Caleb Williams being the top thing, I think, on everybody's board when it comes to everybody in the state of Oklahoma. You, you brought up Caleb Williams multiple times there, he's the starting quarterback for Oklahoma, but mm -hmm. he didn't start the year as a starting no. quarterback, that was Spencer Rattler. Um, and Rattler had a really solid season in 2020, 3,000 yards passing, a, a four-to-one touchdown ratio, the interceptions, uh, was mobile on the ground. What he happened? He won 17 straight games, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what what happened to Rattler to the point where he's getting booed on in a home game? He's no longer even on the team in that South Carolina. Like, that's a pretty fast, hard fall. That is the weirdest story I've ever covered, honestly. Like, you win 17 straight games and you're maligned by your own fan base. I, It's hard to wrap your head around, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I laugh at it now just because we've been through it for so long and Caleb has come in and played so well. Um, and it has a lot to do with the, the expectations were so high for Spencer. He goes off and he gets these two cars or three or four. I don't remember how. I mean, it was a lot of vehicles that he got for his NIL deal with Fowler. 
the the car dealership out here and and then he goes off and i mean if you look at his stats just from a afar of just the season you look at it and you go how in the world were they booing him in six games he had like i, I want to say it was like 1213 maybe may not have been that much but it was like I, it was over a thousand yards in like five games five or six games so it wasn't like he was putting up awful stats either it just wasn't the expectation and when you have a guy that came in like Caleb Williams that set the world on fire in the spring game the fans wanted greatness and I, I'm not saying they got that with Caleb because I think that's a stretch but I'm saying they got excitement and that's what they're looking for Oklahoma fans are used to Baker and Kyler and Jalen Hurts and they're used to what Spencer put out put out during the 2020 season especially the last half of the 2020 season that's why he was so ballyhooed going into 2021 and it just never got to that point and it looked like they were stagnant on offense and again, I know that's weird, averaging 40 points a game, staying stagnant. It sounds so weird coming out of our mouths, but if you've watched Riley's offense for like the past six years leading up to that, it did not look anything like what we had seen. And that's what the fans were expecting, and they got that for the most part with Caleb. Uh, it was just up and down as a freshman, you know, you would expect. But there were signs of just absolute greatness from him. It just wasn't consistent because he was a freshman. But the times that Caleb flashed, it was – it was. I mean, you saw Herb Street or heard him say it. He's going to be the face of college football moving forward, and that's probably right no matter where he's at just because he is a fun player to watch. Brendan, a couple times – I, I do want to move on to the game, but this, this quarterback yeah. stuff is really interesting because Oklahoma has, as you've talked about, had a guy who was a Heisman Trophy favorite coming into the season probably. Maybe they have the guy next year. But you've mentioned a couple times some uncertainty about Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. Is there a mm -hmm. sense – is there a sense because Lincoln was the guy who brought him in and he's gone now that he might be kind of poking his nose around? Is that something that you're, you're hearing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's met with the family or he's met with this. The family's met with Venables and all them. Um, but they've never come out and said specifically we're staying at Oklahoma. So, and no decision has been made. I, they're focused on this bowl game. Previously they were focused on, you know, him getting the work done academically so that he could move forward if that was to be the case. Um, and so right now he's just focused on being with his guys and playing in the game. And after that, they're going back to D.C. They're going to talk over as a family. And, I mean, if he poked his nose into the portal, it wouldn't shock me. If he stays, it wouldn't shock me. I, I, I Look, people ask me all the time just because my relationship with the family – you know, what What are you hearing? What do you know? And I say that basically the company line, I don't know because they don't know. And that's the honest truth. They don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to move forward and what their, what their plans are. So uh, they've talked to the university. The university is trying to put stuff together to show them how they're going to produce Caleb because they're big on NFL uh, kind of – I guess growth and development is the best way to put it. And they knew they were going to get that with Riley because of what he'd done and start going back to Eastern Carolina all the way up through Oklahoma. He's produced NFL quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So that's what they were expecting when they got to Oklahoma. Riley promised them he was going to stay through 2024. Didn't even come close to that. 
um, <laughs> at all. <laughs> so uh, there, there's some disdain there, kind of anger. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it's a, it, 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 it's a wild deal that's going on down here just because nobody knows what the kid's going to do. And I think, I think a few days after we're going to find out one way or the other, but right now they're just not thinking on that. They want to sit down as a family, start weighing the pros and cons. The one thing I do know is that the family promised Oklahoma, no matter what happens, they get the final, you know, kind of pitch. So after they talk to, if they, if they were to put their name in the portal, Oklahoma will get the final pitch. Uh, so they'll get the pitch before he puts the name in the portal, if that was to be the case, and they'll get the one before they decide one way or the other what they're going to do. So Oklahoma is going to have more stabs at it because they don't want to leave OU. They want to stay. I think they just need reassurances that, you know, the development that they were promised coming to Oklahoma is going to be the same or at least up to that caliber. And right now, even with Levy doing what he did with Matt Corral, they don't know because they haven't seen what Matt Carell can do in the NFL, and they really don't know where that kid's going to be drafted. You know, you've heard first round. Is it going to be first round? We don't know because the combine hasn't happened. All the pro days haven't happened. You know, there's always that one one or two quarterback that shoots up the draft after what they show on the pro day and the combine, and none of that's taken place yet. So they don't really know how the development really was. So there's so many unknowns there that it's just, it's going to be a wild time at the beginning of January, all the way through the middle of January when enrollment starts, as far as that goes, it's going to be a headache for me. That is. So (laughs) you 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 all understand that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You brought up the unknown. I think that's like a perfect way to describe both these programs. Yeah. um, Just their status because so much is unknown. And Locally in Oregon, I, I think internally, if you ask any player, any person involved in the program, short term or long term, their focus is what you were talking about with with Caleb Williams. They want to win this bowl game. They want to get this game in. They want to play. They want to win. Outside the walls of the Oregon football program, everyone that feels like from an Oregon perspective is shifted to 2022. They're going to pay attention to this game. They're, they're going to they're going to watch this game. But there's not a lot of optimism because of the opt-outs, because of the injuries, because of the transfers, because of the opponent, that Oregon's going to win. How, how does Oklahoma's fan base view this game? Is this just a random exhibition, or is there a lot of excitement to see and to see this game play out? I mean, you all are down here, so there's a lot of OU fans down here. Yeah. So um, there's excitement. I mean, look. If nothing more, and I know I keep going back to this, but that really is this really is the feeling of the fan base is they want to go out and show support for the team. They want to go out and show support for Bob Stoops. And I think and, and and then obviously going on down to Caleb Williams and the rest of the guys that have put forth the effort to win all those Big 12 titles and get to the playoffs over the last few years and the guys that are moving on. So they want to show the support. And so there's an excitement around the Bob Stoops stuff. There's excitement around the Caleb Williams stuff. So I think right now it's it's they got to win, and they feel like they want to win, and they need to win. And that's kind of where they're at because they want to make sure that everything that Bob Stoops has done to keep this program afloat, that he goes out with a W because he deserves it. And 
Caleb wants to go out one more time and play with his guys, he says. So, uh, and, that, and that's not to say he's leaving again. It's just like that's their – that's everybody's mindset is like – so there's a lot of excitement around the what-ifs, the could-bes, the, the future. And the, most OU fans feel like it starts tonight, you know, Wednesday. They, they want to see that team win, and they, they kind of – are excited to see if that lays into the future of what this program could be moving forward. Brennan, Oregon fans listening to this podcast are very aware of the, as we said, kind of a decimated team here, close to 30 players yeah. available. I know Oklahoma's dealt with some transfers as well, some guys in the portal, mm-hmm. um, also four opt-outs, four key players in the front seven, a couple of linebackers and Brian Asamo and Nick Benita, um, and defensive lineman Isaiah Thomas and Perry and Winfrey. What else of the defense? <laughs> I was going to ask you, what's going on with that defensive front seven? Like, how can, how much of a concern right now is that the depth behind those guys? Were they used enough to really have confidence in them? Kind of, what's your outlook right now with, with just the, just the defense? I guess you named pretty much the four top players on that defense, not Jalen Revin or um, I would probably throw out, and that's probably talking the defensive front. Um, uh, you know. I guess you could say Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman, David Uwegbu, a couple of other guys, or, you know, Josh Ellison, Isaiah Coe. But there's going to be a lot of guys that, you know, the one thing that Alex Grinch did, he rotated a lot of players all season long. So he, he has this thing of speed D and playing fresh and all this, that, or the other. And that's something that they really, really harped on and really made a focal point throughout the whole season to keep the guys fresh. Don't overplay them. Don't overplay their stat snaps, their reps. And you know, I think it pays off for Oklahoma in a game like this where you're missing <laughs> your All-American and Nick Benito, your potential you know, top day two guy, Perrion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas. And obviously, Brian Osamoa, arguably your top linebacker. So, uh, you know, there, there's those are four key guys. I mean, that's probably saying it. That's an understatement, honestly. But at the same time, the one thing you knew all season long with Oklahoma was their depth in the front seven was ridiculous. And it didn't seem like there was much of a drop-off. The defense played well for the most part all season, especially the front seven. The back end kind of got hit here or there. But that front seven was consistent all year and played good against the run, played good against the with the pass rush for the most part. Um, so uh, there's concern, but it's not the concern that you would think it would be with if you saw those four guys in any other year because they recruited so well in the front seven and they played those guys so many, so much with the rotations that they do. I mean, they go three or four deep almost every game. It was it, it got to the point that it got on the nerves of the OU fans that they weren't playing Benito and Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas and and Osamoa more. Like that that is a literal thing that happened during the season. Why are you rotating so much? Those guys are so good. They should get more reps. Well, they didn't want he wants them playing at a certain speed. And he didn't think they could do so if they played more reps. So it was kind of a catch-22. And, again, it may pay off in this game because now they have depth in a game like this, you know, a a certified, you know, exhibition that is for the fans and for the players to finish off the season that has been a 10-1 year for both. 
Brandon, I, I think from an Oregon perspective going into this game, it's very evident where there are some weaknesses for them. Um, they don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of proven talent at receiver on offense. And you couple, you combine that with their quarterback play uh, not being a very great downfield thrower. So their passing, their deep threats from a passing game are going to be a concern. And then defensively, you know, their, their starting corners are, are both gone and their defensive line has been decimated by injury. Plus Kayvon Thibodeau has opted out for the NFL draft. What are the areas for Oklahoma that it's like, oh boy, this, you know, are there areas for Oklahoma where there's serious concern of, are we going to be able to match up well with Oregon? Are there those questions being asked about this team? I, I think it always goes back to, you know, when Woody Washington wasn't playing during the season, you could totally see it. And he's Oklahoma's best cornerback. I mean, he makes a difference for Oklahoma. He's playing in this game. He said he's going to return for 2022. Uh, you know, I don't know that I would per se there is a major issue. I think losing an Austin Stogner and what he does for Oklahoma is is big uh, at the tight end H-back spot. But at the same token, they have uh, Jeremiah Hall and they have uh, – uh, Brendan, uh, oh my gosh, I just went blank. Brendan, uh, Brendan Willis. I mean, I went blank there for a second, but they have Brendan Willis as well. Those two guys have played a lot of games and they've been really good players for Oklahoma. So they, they have depth there. So I, I think the offensive tackle spot has been a question for Oklahoma all year. And I think it continues to be a, a question mark. So if, if anything, even with Thibodeau being missed for Oregon, if they can get penetration off the edge, that's something they can take full advantage of. And it, it happened against Oklahoma State. It happened against Baylor. The offensive line just hasn't been what it was expected to be throughout the season. And I think I think the main thing you got to look at is if Caleb Williams goes down, Oklahoma has a backup and Ralph Rucker that is a walk-on. That's it. <laughs> That's it. The other guy that's on scholarship, Micah Bowens, is like the fourth or fifth string, and he transferred from Penn State. So, I mean, they're hurting at depth uh, quarterback, and I think that's something that Levy has taken already, already uh, kind of, you know, started to, started to work on by getting Nick Evers, one of the top quarterbacks in the country in 2022, to come in if Caleb Williams was to stay and be his backup for a year or two. But I mean, they're they're hurting for depth at quarterback. So if if Caleb Williams goes out for any portion of the game, you're going to see a walk on freshman come out there. So yeah, they're they're hurting in probably the most key position <laughs> there is as far as depth goes. It's kind of a unique thing where both teams are being led by interim head coaches, and we talked about it as we started. I think Oregon and Oklahoma right now a lot of parallels in their seasons. In yeah. Terms- of the way things concluded, and even even with the, the fan base booing the starting quarterback in home games, um, is something that both schools can relate to. I, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious on on Bob Stoops, and obviously a legendary coach, the winningest coach in Oklahoma history. Right. Him taking on this right now. What does that mean for the fan base? Does that add any intrigue of hey, at least we're we're having Bob on the sideline for a game, even if a bunch of the stuff around it kind of I don't know, diminishes some of the intrigue with the game. 
it's it's it is the intrigue of the game, honestly, for all you fans. Like I was saying earlier, the they want to win for Bob. Everybody wants to win for this legend, the Hall of Famer. And and the cool part is, is like this guy was <laughs> he gets a call while he's on the golf course that Lincoln Riley's leaving, and then honestly takes his golf cleats off, gets in the golf cart, drives to the clubhouse, hops in his car, is on the phone with the administration at Oklahoma and says, yes, I'll be the interim head coach. We'll, we'll, we're going to try to write, write this ship while they go and look for a coach. And he went from being kind of, you know, below Barry Switzer to being his equal as far as, cause Barry Switzer won three national titles. He's right. called the King for a reason. This guy won one national title, played in five or coached in five and was always kind of chasing the ghost of Barry Switzer. That's not the case anymore. What he's done with this program and the fact that he helped solidify it, he was going on recruiting trips, recruiting trips, recruiting for OU. And he's like a he, he was a celebrity going into those homes. So Oklahoma just happened to be lucky. The fact that they had a big noon kickoff guy as their former coach that's still on staff with Oklahoma as kind of a ambassador type guy with donors and stuff like that. And he goes off and he's going and recruiting and keeping this 2022 class together. They lost three kids. That's it. Three kids. Like when you, when you look back at it, it's kind of mind boggling. And, and I'm talking about 2022, obviously in 2023, they lost a bunch, but 2022, he kept it together and that was mind boggling. So of course this, the intrigue with the fans and, and the players is massive because Bob Stoops recruited a lot of these kids, or at least some of them, and that are still playing due to COVID. So it's a really cool deal that they get to kind of send him off. And, you know, like we were joking that he was talking off air, that he was talking about, you know, if he was to win, he wanted to be doused in, in uh, vodka because that's what, or tequila, because he, he, he sells, uh, he has his own brand called Rock and Roll Tequila. Like this guy was posing with, his brand tequila a couple of months ago going on tours and it's shaped like the bottle is shaped like an, like a guitar literally and called rock and roll tequila. And now he is joking about winning a bowl game as the interim, interim head coach and being uh, kind of, instead of being doused in Gatorade being doused in his tequila. And his joke was, what are they going to do? Fire me. You know, <laughs> like that's just who this guy is. Now he is the, Pillar opposite of what we covered for years. And now he's this laid back, fun, happy guy. And it, it's it's a big intrigue to the fans because they get to see that side of Bob that they never got to see publicly. And he's become so beloved because of it. So now, of course, the whole generation will see this guy go out on top. Brandon, I've got one last question. Eric, we'll have one more. We'll get you out of here. Um how do you see this game playing out? Because I'm not going to ask you making a prediction, but at the beginning of the year, if you told me that Oregon and Oklahoma would meet in a late bowl game scenario, I would say they're in the playoffs. They're playing yep. each other in the semifinals in Dallas. And they're not, obviously. But this is still two top 20 teams. This is two teams that have won 10 games, which is hard to do in the regular season. And while I don't think it may look entirely pretty, I, I think we're going to get treated to one of the better bowl games in this bowl season just because 
of of an entertainment purely value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's what we're going to get is one of the better better bowl games this season. I think Oklahoma wins, but how, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think the death for Oregon, I think, is going to be kind of the key thing to watch here. Yep. And I think, obviously, how they defend Caleb Williams and that Sooner offense. Kel Gundy's never called plays before. You know, 23 – well, he has – but he, he only did it at UAB for Watson Brown back in the late 90s. So he had, he's been around a lot of great offensive coordinators, Chuck Long, Mark Mangino, Mike Leach, um, trying to think, Kevin Wilson, Lincoln Riley, uh, Josh Heupel. Like, those are guys he's coached under at Oklahoma since he's been there as a coach. And obviously he played at Oklahoma, so this means a lot to him to be the guy calling the plays. And he loves the university. He's a diehard Sooner through and through. So it's a really cool deal for him to be able to do that. I think that's something to watch is how he calls the plays. Like, is he going to be different than Riley using Riley's offense? Is he going to be more aggressive? Uh, you know, for so from an entertainment aspect there, I think that's going to be fun to watch. And then on the flip side, you've got a brand new defensive coordinator, a guy that was he was a strength and conditioning coach at Washington State. Went to Missouri, coached linebackers for a year, and I, I believe that's how that went. Don't don't quote me on that. And then gets the job as a linebacker coach at Oklahoma. So he's young. He's 40 years old, and Brian Odoms, I've known him for a long time. We played high school against each other and stuff. So, I mean, this guy, is he's a young up-and-comer, and he's going to be calling his place. And, you know, he's talking about joking going – cover zero a lot blitz every play because that's his personality being a linebackers coach and he obviously was joking but it's it's going to be fun to see how aggressive he goes about doing all that as well so in his play calls um i i think anthony brown you know he is playing right you know i don't want to get ahead of myself okay (laughs) so so, you know when there's 30 guys out i didn't want to don't yeah he's a fun guy to watch i've watched him all year I love how he uses – he's not the most accurate human being in the world, but, I mean, he he makes plays that you kind of scratch your head out, like, how the hell did he do that, you know? <laughs> like, he's he's one of those types. So, I think both quarterbacks and Caleb Williams, Anthony Brown, those guys are going to be very exciting to watch for both fan bases. Obviously, Travis Dye is – I mean, he's a stud. And then you got Anthony Brown, C.J. Verdell. Like, the depth, I think Card- Cardwell, is that the other guy that's yep. running back for – you guys are so deep at running back. I think that's going to be fun to see how Oregon's offense goes up against Oklahoma's defense with the four guys out that Oklahoma has that are so key to their their scheme. <laughs> so um, it, it, there's there's a lot of dynamics in play here because even with guys that are out, there's still a lot of talent on the field because both teams recruit so well yep. that you're going to be put to a good game. I mean, you're going to get to watch a really good game, a bunch of really good athletes going at it. And again, like you said, I think it's going to be one of the more fun ones because I think it's two of the more athletic teams in college football going head to head. I'm going to end it with a question about something that happened 15 years ago, Brandon. And I think if I bring oh, up. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Gordon Reese. Gordon Reese. Go ahead. Go for well, it. I just yeah. want to bring up 2006. And, <laughs> and your reaction tells me all I need to know. And, and having interacted with a couple Oklahoma fans who live out here, that game, when, when, when it was this matchup was set, was that like the first thing on your message board of, okay, 2006, that ridiculous? And I will say, very, very questionable 
<laughs> Very questioning, even from someone who was maybe wearing Oregon green and yellow at the time. That's fine. I was wearing crimson. I was wearing crimson at that time. I was, <laughs> I was in college. So, um, yeah, yeah uh, look, the, straight up, it was a pile of crap calls what it was. I mean, you got the Alan Patrick's raising it up and walks over, hands of the official, the ball, and the, you got the other official going, oh, it's Oregon's ball, looking at the pile <laughs> like he sees something. And the, the head official's holding the ball, and they still call it. Like, how do you replay it and still give – or I, I, we won't even go there. But there was also other calls. I think people still, still tend to forget Malcolm Kelly completely running out of bounds for a touchdown. Like, he was like two feet out of bounds and came back in past the white line, and they still called it a touchdown. So that game was maligned with a bunch of bad – it was just bad officiating all the way Welcome around. Welcome to Pac-12 officiating. <laughs> Gordon Reese, I mean, there were shirts made for years with, like, the blind mice in Oregon and Gordon Reese being the head blind mice and all that stuff down here. It was it was awesome. So, yeah, that, that was actually called, and Bob Stoops joked about it a couple of times because he was asked about it. And I think that tells you that that game is still so ingrained in so many Sooner fans' mind because – they're playing for the national title that year because there were, I think it was two lost team made it national title. That was back to back years, 2006, 2007. They had two lost teams in the back and in, in, in the national title games. And Oklahoma was probably in that game if that doesn't take place. So yeah, the Oklahoma fans are pissed about that still 15 <laughs> years later. Yeah. Yeah. They want, they want revenge. <laughs> oh, no, they're probably going to get it. It's going to be interesting to see these two teams. <laughs> I mean, if I'm Bob Stoops, like I, like I, in a fun, jokingly way, I try and maybe tack on one extra score if if, if it's possible um, late in the game. And Bob would do can... that too. He was known for that type of crap. Oh, and I don't yeah. think He's... I don't think Oregon would be offended by it either. Um, you know, I I, I I don't view that. And heck, like Bob Soups and McClendon said, you know, after after this game is over, basically all the coaching staffs are going to be going all over the place to other schools, anyways. So they're not going to get mad yeah. at each other, anyways. So. Uh, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time uh, for, for this game. And, uh, hey, good luck covering the Sooners into the, the second signing day in this offseason as we both deal with coaching changes. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This was, this was really fun. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.